you know, we're, we, we do a lot of sitting in this house. <laughs> I don't know how you were raised, but we don't do a lot of moving. <laughs> Welcome back to Teen Cockroach, a podcast about The Good Place, a weekly comedy by Mike Sher. We have been doing a episode-by-episode recap of season two, of most of season two, as we went. And now we are going back to older episodes. We have finished recapping season two, and we're now going through season one. So now we'll be talking about episode three and episode four today. But before we get to more of that, let me introduce my co-hosts and guests. So, Sarah Gardner, hello, welcome. Rachel Adelman, welcome. Hi, everyone. Javier Matusevich, hi there. Hello. And also, <laughs> warm welcome to our special guest, Dan Morin. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So we're going to be talking about, uh, again, two episodes now for season one. Uh, episode three, Tahani Al-Jamil. And episode four, Jason Mendoza. And as those episodes' titles suggest, these are mostly about kind of introducing the other human characters for the, the cast. For these two so we are going to dive right in i guess but first i'll give a little summary of the episodes as we go and so in episode three uh the a plot is eleanor and tahani interacting with each other and eleanor is pretending to befriend tahani but mostly just trying to dig up some dirt on her and so the a plot is her kind of figuring out that that's not great uh, especially through the help of a particularly expressive plant and also with chidi's help and so she figures out that if she doesn't want to be a bad person, she's going to have to befriend Tahani for real. So she does that. And then the B-plot is Michael and Janet and Chidi, where Michael is trying to get Chidi to get a new hobby. And Chidi resists everything that comes up, and there's some shenanigans with Janet. And Chidi finally decides that, no, he doesn't want any of these hobbies. He just wants to work on the book that he worked on when he was alive. I think the episodes are, are as you said, uh, quite character-centric. We, we've talked in previous episodes about how the show is trying to introduce the characters one by one, and these episodes are completely saying it upright in the episode titles that Tahani and, and Jason. I feel like while there are a lot of nice character moments in these episodes that allows us to peek a window into, into what makes these people so interesting, there is a lot of filler, don't you think? I think that what's interesting is that there's... There is filler. I, I think one interesting thing that is uh, distinguishing these two from each other is that Tahani's episode is still entirely, her plot line is entirely within the good place still, right? By contrast, I know we'll get to the episode four in a second, but we see flashbacks of Jason's life. And that's because right out of the gate for Jason's episode, we know he's a fraud. We don't yet realize that Tahani isn't supposed to be here. So we have that difficult navigation of trying to figure out who she is, and even though Eleanor insists that she's a fraud, we don't necessarily get that opinion, and certainly not the opinion of other people in The Good Place, like Chibi, for example. So I think there's a little more heavy lifting to go on with introducing Tahani's character, because we need to sort of get an idea of her in contrast to Eleanor before we can have that rug sort of pulled out from us later. I would agree with that, too, that it does feel a little fillery, but then it's also kind of like, this is the third episode, and we've already got the huge reveal that Gianni's not who he says he is. And I felt like the, that came a lot earlier in the series than I remembered. Like, thinking back, I thought Jason had to be Gianni entirely for a lot longer than he actually was. Yeah, I, 
I thought the same thing. I was thinking kind of like, really? It was episode three that we got the reveal. It felt like so much later in the series. Plus, in the Tahani episode, Eleanor is working under the impression that the note that she was given about you don't belong here came from Tahani. So she's trying to figure out, you know, is this person my enemy for real? And, uh, you know, a plant combusts <laughs> when she's when she's mean to her. But uh, if Eleanor were smarter and you would think that Chidi would be part of this, she would know that Tahani's handwriting wouldn't look nothing yes. like that. <laughs> Giant block letters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, not her style. There would be lots more curly cues. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, I also was kind of thinking that's probably too neat for Jason's handwriting for real. Yeah. But of course I, I they was couldn't. surprised there were no spelling mistakes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> also his introduction, he seems very well, like we, it's a second before we uh, get that reveal again, even when John Yu was revealed to be the person who sent the note. He's very calm. He's very un Jason like for the yeah. first like 30 yes. seconds, yeah. uh, which, which kind of me. surprised me. Yeah. But he then segues directly into <laughs> freaking out, I, homie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, disclaimer: Jason is my favorite character on the show by a lot. So I, I, it's it's funny how much the dynamic of the show changes once yep. we are in on his secret. Because previous to that, you know, we have this dynamic of Eleanor and Chidi doing the the ethics t- uh, lessons for Eleanor, and we kind of feel like we're keeping this secret. And by adding another character into that mix, it makes so many more opportunities for these characters to bounce off each other in an interesting way. And I, I think for me, this was definitely the point where this the series really sold me, right? Because if it had just been about Eleanor learning to be a better person, like that would have been fine. But I feel like it would have it would have felt more fillery more quickly. A bit too after school special. Yeah. I think this is where you start to begin to really like the other characters uh, almost just as much as you do Eleanor, who you're spending so much time with. And it needs to do that if you're going to spend so much time with them. I like that this early in the series, that even when Eleanor is like trying her best to be grouchy at Tahani, she still kind of likes her. Like when, when they have the hug and she's like, of course your hugs are great or whatever it is. <laughs> like she's so mad about it, but she's also like coming around and, it's a good dynamic until they, you know, I mean, they build on that throughout. It's fun to remember that they really didn't didn't like each other at the beginning. I also really like the Janet side plot in this episode of all the different mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> ways Michael tried to rearrange Janet to be his assistant. Yeah, it was great work from Darcy Carden there, especially I really, the the nice little touch I thought, and it's hard to know how much of this was planned out in advance, but when she's in the metal shop and she's surly Janet, and it's like you kind of get the precursor of bad Janet, like mm. her attitude at that point when she's being cruel and like, you know, calling yep. Chidi a, a jerk and stuff like that. It's it's kind of a foreshadowing of bad Janet, which I enjoyed. Absolutely. She, she it just, yeah, the, she got a chance to sort of shine in this episode, that actress. And and it really, uh, it, because there's only so much she can do, right? Because she, well, she's not a robot, but she's still sort of this kind of character who can't interact with people in sort of normal ways. So they have to find all these crazy ways for her to interact. And the ones I wrote down are she first one she does is colloquialisms. And then it's fun facts. And then it's flirting, like crazy outrageous flirting. And then it's cruel and distant, according to Michael. Mm-hmm. And then self-help is the last one. <laughs> and every single one of them, she has some great lines. 
So yeah, the, she had a lot. Of, she almost had more fun in that part of the the B plot than Michael and and Chidi did because they kind of had to do some lifting there to get to get things going. But, but Janet just got to just got to rev on things. So I want to go back to uh, Javier. You said you thought there was some filler in this episode. What can you give some examples of, of what what you mean by that? The well, the whole Chidi story, this Chidi, Chidi storyline about him trying to uh, get a hobby and rewriting the thesis. It does say a bunch of stuff about Chidi, but it feels like it takes a, a big part of the episode. It's a 20-minute episode, and maybe it's like 10 minutes. So I, in, in a show like this, that uh, the, the code of the show is, is so succinct and so able to move the story along with fragments. In Well, we always talk about how the show goes forward at a starring pace when we start to to go back to these back episodes. So in this kind of show, it feels like all those moments are kind of wasted. I, I think one interesting thing that struck me at watching that subplot was coming... This is the first time I've rewatched it since I've watched it the first time, right? And in the first time, there's different dimensions that get taken on by your, your perception because you know what's going to happen later. So, for example, the first time you saw it, you think Michael is being very generous and trying to help Chidi right. mm-hmm. find a hobby. Whereas watching it with the knowledge of what happens at the end of season <laughs> one, you can basically see him torturing him. And that, to me, is the brilliance of Ted Danson's portrayal because he really walks that line. You can kind of read into it when you rewatch it. You can see the Michael that we get later who is just being like trying to find ways to dispirit him and do things that make him anxious. Uh, But the first time you walk that through, it's not it's not there because you don't have that context yet. And to me, it really made me appreciate Ted Danson's performance so much more. And it it does seem like in in retrospect, it's like, oh, my God, this should have been so obvious. Yes. (laughs) (sighs) How did I not see that coming? <laughs> we yeah. found that a lot watching these back ones. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> they they were telling us. We just weren't paying attention. What was interesting with, with uh, Chidi, I felt that the one bit where Michael was getting on his case about the book, and that was also probably the funniest part of the B-plot, I think, when he was talking about you know, 3,600 pages of the book. I, you know, I read all of the world's literature in about an hour, but it took me two weeks to get through you know, your book. It's just just hitting him over and over again with, with how awful it was. That's very mad, Michael. Yes. But yeah. he, when he says, what is it? He says, keep, he says that you keep, kept revising and revising, adding words to the title and twisting yourself up into a knot. And Michael here is talking about the book, but really that's as much of a summation of Chidi's reason for being in the bad place as you'll ever get yeah. from this show. Like they were sneaking in this, this explanation for why he's there in the midst of talking about something else, I just thought it was really kind of brilliant because all of these, these two episodes, I mean, they've got the names of the people. And so in theory, they're about why those introduction to these people. And I thought both of these episodes were really about why they're there, why they're in the bad place, explaining what, what's kind mm-hmm. of wrong with them. And it's funny that Michael got a more succinct explanation of that in an episode for Tahani than Tahani did because we didn't get right. that, that upfront explanation of why she, we got some sense of it. Like she's vain She's um, she's got all these things that maybe this episode, maybe the next episode. She's talking about what gloves she wears and you know the orchids she's cutting <laughs> for her bath and her Korean twelve step program. You know, it's, this is a woman who's just not humble, right? 
but you still don't really see what's what's really wrong with her in a way that's kind of described the way the other ones are described. I I remember feeling weird about it when I first watched it to like there was something off about it. Like I remember thinking that I'm like this person does not seem like they're really you know selfless. And again, one of those things that I just kind of was like, oh, maybe that was just, maybe that's just a weird, you know, writing glitch or something like that. But again, they're telling us we're just not, the context of realizing it is very different. And I think this was the episode two that I felt this cheaty is the cheaty that we've known through season two now. Whereas the first two episodes, there were some parts of cheaty's character that I felt were a little out of place. This episode, I'm like, okay, the guy with directional insanity that couldn't name his dog <laughs> is the guy that we've known to see and love throughout the rest of the series, I think. I thought the scene between he and Eleanor, where he's so proud of her for being able to bring the plant back and have that relationship with Tahani, I thought that was so sweet, and I had forgotten all about it until I watched it again. Like, they're yeah. proud of each other for being able to get through this together. Yes, his whole shtick is that he's a, a nice, smart dude, that his obsession with perfection is what made that all his life work became into that single draft of a book. So it makes sense that he could be a good teacher when he's not trying to. Right, well, there's some funny bits from the from the teaching, and I think there was an internet meme about this for a while. Um, certainly there were some jokes online, let me see if I can find it, where at the very beginning... Eleanor says, who died and left Aristotle in charge of ethics? <laughs> and Sheedy points at the board, Guido! You know, yeah. funny, <laughs> funny stuff. Yeah. You know, for all the kids who love those philosophy jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that. Yeah, that's a, that is a great line. It's also interesting to me, the dynamic that Eleanor, being the person who's sort of, you know, our viewpoint, she sees through Tahani to a certain extent, right? She is immediately suspicious that no one can be that good. And that's interesting, too, because it's another bit of foreshadowing, right? Eleanor is savvy. She she senses something is wrong there, although she totally misses out on, on Jason being there. But it's it's an interesting, you know, again, a hint dropped for us later that Tahani isn't doesn't quite belong here either, though she tries really hard to. And that the one who's probably going to figure it out is Eleanor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, th isn't there um, a moment where Tahani talks about going canvassing the neighborhood? I think it's episode four, but mm -hmm. she goes canvassing the neighborhood to to cheer everyone up and feel like she belongs. And that's not the kind of feeling that the people that belong have. <laughs> Right. Her her um, her sin or her, her whatever is that she focuses everything on herself, but her her failing is not that she did something wrong. Like it was really interesting. Like Eleanor was like, well, if she's going to be a person who does bad things, then it's going to be the kind of things that I did when I was bad. Like, you know, selling mm -hmm. what selling selling. What was it like chalk to seniors, whatever it was, you know, it's going to be something explicitly bad, whereas, you know, the real sin is 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 doing it for the wrong reasons and she just doesn't grok that yet no one you know no sense of that yet but but she's totally right like when she says oh she's a phony it's so funny because she's totally right like Chidi is wrong that she's a good person but mm. the lesson that Eleanor was learning was not be a bad person to phonies it was be a good person to people even if they are phonies and that lesson still holds up even when you know that she is a phony so I thought that was really neat 
their things are kind of similar. Eleanor's thing is that she's she doesn't care about being good, and Tahani's thing is that she doesn't she cares about perceiving uh, being perceived as being good instead of actually just being good. So they have kind of similar motifs. And Chidi cares so much about being good, he can't do anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he cares about making sure that everything is good. And then Jason just doesn't care. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Pikachu! <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to talk about the specifics of episode four, and then we can kind of go back and, and talk about the two of them together. So in the fourth episode... It's called Jason Mendoza, and I'm wondering if that was actually confusing to people who were seeing the episode titles ahead of time before they knew that there was oh. a Jason Mendoza, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this yeah. is the episode for uh, uh, Manny uh, Asinto to, to shine in a way that... Let me see if I'm going to be able to pronounce your name. Um, uh, nope, I don't... Uh, Jamila, Jamila Jamil, right? Was uh, yeah for the first one yeah, sort of right sort of right anyway yeah. um, mm -hmm. but anyway so this is you know this is the episode where we we get to find out what's going on with Jason with Jianyu and it's that's most of the episode right is the you know, flashbacks of what his life was like what his personality was like and then him wanting to come out and 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 be himself uh, to the rest of of the good place and Eleanor and Chidi kind of trying to hide him, stop him from doing that. And then the B-plot was Tahani and Michael uh, preparing for this, uh, this uh, dinner for the restaurant, for the opening for the restaurant. And, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second, but um, that was mostly, that seemed mostly uh, a pre preparation for that sort of final scene where we get that sinkhole opening up and, and you know, that's the big uh, reveal, that's the big cliffhanger for episode four is that it's there and it's not going to close. It's going to keep getting bigger. I really liked it. I think the end of episode three and the beginning of episode four is what really hooked me on the series. The whole reveal that this silent monk was a DJ from Jacksonville, Florida was what kind of got me. Yeah, and I just, I like hearing Jason's story and seeing the bits and pieces of him slowly come out and then Eleanor's dawning realization that this guy's an idiot. <laughs> it's just really funny to watch. And that I, I really enjoyed the um, the chef that Tahani and Michael had to work mm. with. I'd forgotten about her and I really Patricia. enjoyed yeah. the, yes, the intensity of Chef Patricia and thinking that somebody, that she was a demon and had to pretend to be that intense yeah. and happy like, <laughs> gives a whole new layer to that character. This episode has one of my favorite jokes so far in the series, which is the uh, list of places that Jason wanted to be a DJ. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that maybe one day he could be in Tampa. Like that's where he that's where his goals are. He and, wants uh, it all. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so earnest and so stupid. <laughs> Jason's dream is Acid Cats Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. I think it's also our first exclamation of Bortles. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yep. With the Molotov cocktail. Yeah, he throws the Molotov and yells Bortles when he throws it at Acid Cats boat. <laughs> and he's got the just the jersey and the awful hat and he does not yeah. 
He does not want to hide who he is anymore because he's already had to bite his tongue for I don't know how many days now. So, you know, this is this is where Jason is free. <laughs> and it's he, just awful. He, he's already in love with Janet. One of the first yes. things yep. he yep. asks yeah. Eleanor, is she single or is she married <laughs> to Michael? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had forgotten about that till it happened. It, that it was so early that he had interest in Janet. I do love also his relationship in the flashback with Pillboy, including the yeah. like when he says he's got dreams. And, oh, you got dreams? That's lit. <laughs> like, uh, and he has a line at one point about the like, I've come up with hundreds of plans and only one of them got me killed. Uh, which, of course, is the flash forward to one of my other favorite bits in the show. But yeah, I mean, Jason is a delightful character because and this is the trick that you have to run with all these characters, right? He's dumb but he's not unlikable. And even when he's doing somewhat jerky things, uh, I think we start to realize that this guy, like he has heart and he cares about things and he has goals. And that's what redeems him in a way that all of these characters have to have redeeming characteristics, right? If they were just out and out awful and really deserve to go to the bad place, we would not like any of them. Uh, and so this and full credit here to Manny Jacinto, who I, I I refuse to this day to look up interviews with him because I assume that his voice is not like Jason's and I just can't quite handle <laughs> seeing him not in character one of these days, one of these days. But yeah, he's his performance here is fantastic, adds much need. You know, it's not like this show needs a lot of comic relief per se, but he adds a certain type of comedy and I say this as a writer, like, I love writing dumb characters because they're hilarious. It's like, not to necessarily even just make fun of them, but a dumb, lovable character is hard to do well. But when it's done well as it is here, it's it's just, it's a topper. Yeah, I feel like in this episode, the writers didn't really know where completely to go with Jason, which makes for a couple of interesting lines, like... Uh, he throws, they hit my ears like boxing gloves of sadness. Yeah. <laughs> and he has like this relationship with Pillboy where Pillboy thinks he's a poet. And in the, um, the time when he talks about his dreams and he talks about being a beautiful soul and that everyone's going to, to realize that he, he's a unique person. And then he says that he's going to burn as it cuts speedboat right <laughs> next to that. You can see the writers working out. <laughs> the the edges of w the personality for for him which those are the nicer lines but i feel like the episode has a couple of times where they make him like spiritual or i don't know normal like at the beginning but after that too there are a couple of lines though i i can't remember any particular ones that i don't think they they fell right I mean, my favorite Jason line in this episode, I think, is when, you know, they, Eleanor reads Chidi in on him and they, you know, they're talking and Tahani comes home and says, oh, how are you? And he just says, I'm cool. <laughs> there's a re the reactions of everybody as they're like, oh, no, we've just blown this wide open. Uh, it's just it's it's fantastic. And I love that Tahani thinks that the reason that Jason might begin to speak is all about her. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yes. You're trying to, he's going to talk because of me. Like, uh, of course, that's what she thinks. <laughs> I think at one point he's like, I don't want to be Jian Yu, the tofu man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the <rest of> <laughs> you quite like, need your white sponge. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that yeah. line made me laugh out loud. <laughs> and when he listed all of his jobs to Eleanor, she's like, none of those are jobs. Those what job. did you do to make money? <laughs> I sold fake drugs to college kids. She sold fake uh, drugs to old people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah, they, there's at one point where she says, welcome to the bottom of the barrel. So, you know, that yeah. they, they kind of had a kinship of like, yeah, we both know we don't belong here. And, and yeah. Right, so well, and you talked to Dan. You talked about liking to to write stupid characters. You know, they've all got these blind spots that give them some really funny bits. And you know, there was that one with Tani where she says, "Oh, you know, this is why he talked." Was one of them. I also think well, Michael. Part a lot of what Michael was doing with that dinner was trying to poke Tahani more about Jianyu mm-hmm. not talking. And I think that that was his idea for the the dinner, like. It feels like the sinkhole was a planned chaos event. Like he knew he wanted to get them to the point where there would be a sinkhole there because right. there was just too much uh, dialogue kind of written around it for that to be something that he just thought up on the spot. But that had to have happened because uh, his Eleanor and and Chidi were trying to stop Jason from talking. They weren't trying to get him to talk. They were trying to continue to keep him from talking, and that means continuing to torture. To honey by not having him talk to her and having her have this relationship which is so unsatisfying to her so that was, it was interesting just again how they kind of kept those plot lines going with all of the story stuff going on yeah he knows where all the ingredients are right like he's he's helping <laughs> put all this together to to realize that chaos is going to come out of it somehow right so he like he calls on john yu first when he's talking about like oh the special memories that you associate with these meals right yeah and, and so he, he sort of is trying to like knock, start knocking down these dominoes without making it obvious. Obviously, that he's trying to knock down the dominoes. So yeah, I think you're totally right. Like there's a, there's an element of torturing Tahani in there, also because it's like hitting her in a spot where it's something that she feels she should be good at, that she was very proud of, and so pulling the rug out from under her about that is just kind of a plus. Also, I just I really enjoy his fascination with suspenders, which is again totally <laughs> totally consistent with the Michael that we know later as well. Yeah, I find very funny that uh, when he starts talking about the memories of the food, he points to, to Jason because he wants him to talk first, and Glenn gets up, and Michael makes <laughs> this annoyed face. Yep. In keeping with Tahani's character, after the sinkhole appears, she puts up a sign that says, like, this is food that's so good it tore the universe apart. Oh, yes. <laughs> she just can't let it go. And now I've forgotten what I was going to say, but that's fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no worries. I, I th- I'm with you, Rachel. Like, I think this is where I went from thinking the show was good, but not really being sure, like, what I thought of it to, like, okay, now I'm on board with this wherever they want to go. Well, again, I feel like this is all about building out the ensemble, right? When I certainly, like, went into this show, having seen the previews, to me, I was thinking, okay, this is a show with you know, um, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. And it has a somewhat weird premise, but I, I like the people behind this. I've watched other shows they've done. And it doesn't become apparent until really, maybe not even in this episode, but I think the revelation of Jason is the one that does make this re- like make us realize that there are more characters here than Eleanor for us to, to, to be super invested in. And that's not to dismiss Chidi, but we don't, we don't quite see Chidi's role in this so far. So far, he seems like an earnest part of like 
the good place. But the fact that Jason has been revealed means like we start to wonder there's something else going on here and that all of these characters were going to get insight into all of their lives. So that's the moment, I think, where the show becomes the show that we want to, that the, the, the creators wanted to show us. Right. The, uh, this, I, I think, and I think we might be sort of missing in, in hindsight this idea that there are two mistakes in The Good Place. Yeah, it really does kind of get you thinking, like there must be something more going on than just one person getting in by mistake, one mistake having been made by, by Michael, who's, you know, kind of new at this and, you know, okay, maybe he won, made one mistake. Now there's sort of a bigger universe. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, seeing all the moves that like Michael made to help torture them to like making Eleanor be the one who has to help him figure out what's wrong in the neighborhood. Like how yeah. brilliant is that move and to offer it to Tahani first and she thinks like she's being great by offering it to Eleanor. <laughs> but you know, Michael knows that she knows she's not supposed to be there, so Wheels within wheels. Right, and what uh, Eleanor says, how can I say no? Which is a really wonderful thing that they call back in, in season two where there's one point where she says, how can I say no? Can I say no? Because if I can say no, Michael, I'm going to say no. And it's just, it's just <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful to know that that's, that's coming up with her. But I think another interesting part, like you're talking about how, okay, so this, these episodes were like where you really started to think, this is the show I want to watch. I wonder if some of that was because in a similar way, and again, we're going to talk about season two here for a second. It, it felt like season two, it kind of started with kind of the joke machine going on overdrive where they just had so much material that they were just going through so quickly and burning through it all and, and just making for a really intense, wonderful comedic experience. It feels like they kind of got to do that with the you know delayed introduction of Jason for this, in this episode, in these two episodes, because they just kind of did just joke after joke after joke about Jason and about his circumstances. I mean, there's just so much, you know, in the, in the, in the flashback, what is it, the, the DJ was like, Mm. Yeah, like you, you know, there's just something, something missing, some, some ingredient missing. Uh, what's the word? Oh, talent, right? And just, yeah. just they just do all this stuff and just all these jokes about him, and yeah, it just, it just feels like they just threw a bunch at us at once, and and yet with this sort of love to it, like it wasn't just, it was gleeful, but it wasn't sort of mean. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to describe it. If this really were the good place, then that means that in some version of a good place, there is a butthole. And of course, <laughs> to Jason, yeah. there would be in any kind of heaven. Yep. So it all works out. <laughs> oh, the, the repeated joke about, about butthole, where, you know, they get Eleanor with it. And then Cheaty has exactly the same reaction. Oh, butthole. It's funny, especially because there already is an exist. Like you would have said, like you know, bro cave or something like dumb like that, right? But like, yeah. of course, Jason's like, nope, just going with my own. I invented this amazing term, right? <laughs> this is what it's called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that is quintessential Jason Mendoza. And here's Janet somewhere behind the scenes, like coming up with posters of, you know, Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue models to stick on the walls. Twelve-year-old boy meets thirteen-year-old. <laughs> right. Uh, well, then there was that uh, one moment where Chidi says, "You know, hey, 
you know, come join us with, uh, you know, I'm going to teach philosophy and we're all going to get better. And you could see the show kind of making a bit of a trick moment where they're like zooming in on Jason's face and there was some music. It only lasted like a second or two, but it was the usual way that you would normally yeah. uh, signify like a, a big, big moment. moment. And he's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, when he does show up, he's, he's I'm here to learn ethnics. <laughs> <laughs> When's prom? <laughs> Yeah, we're on football trials, and does this school have a problem? <laughs> right. And then when they they correct him about ethics, and he's like, "No, well, I'm pretty sure it's ethics." That too. I also just I really enjoy in his introductory scene where he complains that everybody says he's Taiwanese, but oh. he's Filipino. That's racist. <laughs> <It's> so good, <laughs> right? He- heaven's racist. racist. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was great. Well, and that's a wonderful, I think it's a wonderful kind of industry moment because, you know, a lot of times they do have people of sort of the wrong ethnicity playing a certain ethnicity because it was all they could find or it was a famous actor or something. So I do feel that that was a bit of a, of a, of a nice dig on the industry Mm -hmm. there. Just saying, you know, they they didn't get it right. And in the same way that a lot of, a lot of shows don't get it quite right. I mean, we as the audience thought he was Taiwanese too until he said otherwise. So yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. fooled. You're fooled. Mm-hmm. We're complicit. Yep. When he says, um, what was it? The one that I've written down is, you know, Eleanor says, well, how, how did you survive here when I had to do all this work to survive? And it feels like I'm just barely making it. And, you know, you're not a super genius. You know, have you literally not said a word since we got here? And Jenna says, you know, when I'm meditating, when I pretend I'm meditating, I'm actually trying to figure out what the fork is going on. And I think that's actually the... The other person who says a swear word, you know, maybe Cheetah does it for a while too, but it was kind of interesting uh. hearing him say that like right away. And he says, we might be in an alien zoo or a prank show, which is a wonderful moment that they come back to, right? And he said, yeah, this is a prank he show. He figured it out. He figured it out, right? They were on a prank show the whole time. Yeah. Mad respect. <laughs> and then the Don't other prank. one that, that I got right away was, yeah. Eleanor says, what, what, I don't remember exactly what he says, but like, Eleanor responds, you crashed your jet ski into a manatee? And Jason says, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. That happens a lot. <laughs> and that's the uh, first mention of where he's from. So I thought they kind of worked that in really nicely in the, in the midst of another joke. I will say my, so I play, um, I've been playing the board game Pandemic Legacy, which has a map of the, um, you know, the U.S. on it. And Jacksonville is actually a city on it in one of the <laughs> maps. And I play with our, my friend, Tony Sindelar, uh, and, we every time Jacksonville <laughs> comes up in any sort of thing, one of us like ob- obligatorily says Jacksonville Jaguars. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Did he mention the team during any of these episodes in the in the fourth? I episode? don't think he does. No. He wears the jersey though, right? Uh, Isn't that, he or is did that... mention Bortles. Right. Yes, and he met Bort. He mentioned Bortles. I mean, Bortles is the team, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad team. <laughs> But he loves them so much. <laughs> Did I miss something with episode four and Janet? What does Janet do in this one? Was she even in this episode? I don't think she. I think she shows up. Uh, no, she's mostly. She's more in the in the episode three. We see her within the subplot with Michael and Chidi, but I don't know that we see her much. Jason talks episode. about her. In Just a shame four, when but... we don't get enough J- Janet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't remember whether she was at the restaurant. Oh, no, she does. Because I, I, <laughs> what I wrote down was one of the ways that Tahani shows how much of a stuck-up person she is is she actually corrects Janet's pronunciation of Barcelona. Oh, 
at one point. Yes, oh, I yes. wrote that down. My, my note said, of course, Tahani says Barcelona. <laughs> of you know, course I, she does. I think Janet is in the restaurant because isn't she the one who uh, informs Eleanor that her favorite meal was like a hunger strike? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's she's yeah. well deployed in this episode. Mm-hmm. And she's implicitly in the episode because she's the one that made uh, the bad haul for uh, Jason. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to warn you. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for the most part, we were very positive on these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah, let's do, let's do sort of the bring out your dad. Uh, I think the joke machine was in full force in these two episodes, just like it was in previous episodes, just like it was in season two. If we had any doubt that the joke machine was a thing that just happened all the way through both seasons, I think that is put to rest. I was talking about episode three, where Eleanor, when someone knocks at the door and they're doing their their ethics lessons, Eleanor is trying to come up with, with reasons why they have what they're doing when they're trying to hide everything. And she says, coming, we're just kissing and groping. I thought that was, it was mostly in the delivery, but I thought that was a funny line. <laughs> Not really a joke, but I enjoyed Eleanor's comment again about why aren't there stairs here as she <laughs> goes yeah. to walk out her bedroom and the constant not having stairs i i think most of mine were from episode four but they include the uh you broke john Yu yep. and the later callback <laughs> you broke the world yep um i enjoyed <laughs> i love that the restaurant is called the good plates and michael yeah. doesn't get it until he says it <laughs> uh and in subtler lines to honey's it's just like we always say in britain try your best to hide your sex um, and I also wrote down the acid cat says, Fred Durst is throwing an orgy on a half-capsized oh, yep. yacht. <laughs> My dad just texted My dad just texted me. It's already started. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know why it struck me as so funny, but I liked when um, Eleanor came to Tahani's to present her with some pears and she's like yeah this is like a plant but you can eat it and then tahani (laughs) immediately throws it away and says it's a sign of bad luck or something just right in the bin Mm, bin. (laughs) yeah i like that tahani's full name is congratulations beautiful oh yeah so another one was uh what tahani says i'm cursed with an ample bosom and eleanor says and yet you soldier on that was cute I like the very first thing that Eleanor says to try and um, comfort Tahani when she's upset is like complimenting her about her physique. <laughs> like she knows that that's the thing that'll cheer her up. <laughs> Don't feel bad. <laughs> well, wasn't there? It looks so good. Yeah, w- wasn't there a bit later on where, t- uh, or maybe earlier on, where Eleanor is complaining about Tahani, and she talks about how. Oh, what was it? He's got like curves down to here or something, and yeah, she said something. You have a cappuccino complexion, and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And There's always been a little bit of sexual tension between those yeah. two, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. fair to say. When she says at the end of it, and and now I'm kind of turned on. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was gonna say the uh, thing that I thought I. So I don't know if any of you happen to know this, but it, it, I became curious about in this episode. When they have the fake swears, are the actors actually swearing and then dubbing it over? Because when Eleanor calls Jason shirt for brains, it really doesn't look like she said shirt. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I thought they were I, just saying the words because when I thought she so says too. bench, it looks like she's saying bench. Yeah, I thought so too, but that one shot, for whatever reason, maybe she even misspoke and they dubbed it over because they thought it was funny. But it worked for me because I was like, wait a second. I've just been watching The Expanse and they dub over all the swears in that on sci-fi. And so I'm very used, all of a sudden I'm very attuned to watching people's lips when they're swearing. Yeah, they probably got a really fun take out of her and just decided to use it. Why not? Sure. Hmm. Could be, yeah. I can't believe I went into this show just thinking, oh, I like I like Veronica Mars. I'll watch this. <laughs> and it turns out to be something entirely different. Yeah. I like Veronica Mars and Cheers. It's basically just those two things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the two those two shows but put together. <laughs> it's a detective at a bar. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would watch that. I would too. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, when, another one that Michael says is I literally learned what headaches were. From reading that thing when he's talking about the book, that uh, he has a couple of zingers to to poor Chidi about about his book that he was trying to write. If I had to count the number of times I said poor Chidi in the course yeah. of this podcast, <laughs> I you know I knew Chidi was my favorite, but boy, do I feel bad for him a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's see. Um, oh, there's one where Jason says, "I miss being myself. Myself was the best." Which that was a really, really good summing up of Jason right there. <laughs> oh, and then, oh my God, the one with Eleanor where Chidi says, no, Eleanor, once again, none of these philosophers is ever talking about masturbation. <laughs> that, was, that was a good line. I, I'd forgotten about that one. Oh, I really liked when they were at the, uh, the dinner and Jason immediately wants to get jalapeno poppers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that was great. That's just the perfect thing that he would want to eat. Uh, the writers have to be having such a good time. He also gets as far as saying, like, oh, like let me tell you a story about stupid Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't really yeah. raise any eyebrows, which is kind of itself <laughs> weird at the time. Yeah, yeah. That was great. Um, there was one thing at, at that, the, the same, the dinner, where I think Michael is talking or, or Tahani is talking, and Patricia is doing that two-finger I'm watching you gesture to someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really funny. Like an ad-lib, potentially. Oh, and then, oh, with Jason, uh, where he's talking with Pillboy about the uh, acid cat thing, and he says, things are bad, Pillboy. Acid cat is suing me for breach of contract, which I thought was really <laughs> good. Yeah. I might not even have noticed that without the... Uh, the, the dubs. The, the dubs. Yeah. I, I like that Tahani's diary has a foreword by Malala. <laughs> and Kylie Minogue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. It's a good combination. Mm. They never, and that's another one with it's like a joke that doesn't, you know, no one ever brings it up. It's just yeah. like it's there and it's, it's there and it's gone. <laughs> so I think that's pretty much my list for, uh, for the joke machine. Anybody have any last ones? Tahani might be a little British, but she's a good person. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, there's. Oh, what was the other one where she says, "Oh, Eleanor has a line." Um, nope, I'm not sure I can find it. Where she says something like, "Oh, you know, giving someone a plant." Oh, here's some dirt I put in a bowl because I'm amazing. That's the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, you know, she she pretty much has Tahani's number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then oh, and when the plant. When the plant blows up um, and Eleanor says to the plant, the truth hurts, doesn't it, plant? Just that was pretty 
I like that Eleanor knows that throwing sign is a good way to put out a, fo- a vodka fire. <laughs> That's right. How do you know that? <laughs> oh, and then and then when Eleanor tries to say that the scone from Tahani is bad, it looks burned, and then she starts eating one, and of course Tahani is scandalized, and then she says, oh, but they're not. Hmm. They both work. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, you know, she can't really find fault with Tahani. Yeah, that was that was part of it. That whole pattern. And there's a moment where she says, do you hear music? And Eleanor says, that's not music. That's EDM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice, nice moment. So knowing, knowing what we know, because we've seen season two, what is that like? Does that make you appreciate these more? Or is it just that you're kind of looking for stuff that you like to be clues for later on? Because I kind of feel like it, it makes the, the first... I appreciate it more, I think, now. I think there's a lot more... This is a very carefully constructed show. And, and definitely there are tons of things I did not pick up on on the first watching. And it does make me appreciate a lot of it more because you can see all these seeds get planted, as we talked about. Like things that should have seemed obvious at the time. And then even the ones that maybe you know, may have set up a flag in your brain somewhere going like, this doesn't seem quite right, but you never, you just kind of plowed through it because you weren't really thinking about that, you know, being the context. And so it's interesting to rewatch with the knowledge of what comes next because it really changes your perceptions of the characters. Like I said, I think primarily for me, Michael, like being able to understand what he's doing really makes a lot of Ted Danson's uh, manner take on almost like a sinister feel to it at times, yep. but yep. not in a way that I would have really thought about the first time through. See, I would, I would say, I mean, this is just me, but I, I feel like when I was watching season two, I was remembering how good season one was. And I kept thinking, is it only because of the twist? Like, am I remembering it as being so good because I was so surprised? But now that I'm watching season one, I, again, I feel like, yeah, I really like this season, I want to say, more solidly than I did season two. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, uh, podcasting for season two gave me a, lo- a feeling of when you start to look at it uh, in an anal- analytical way, that the show started to crumble a little bit. Like, it wasn't so solid as original. I wasn't enjoying it as much. And now that we're going back to season one, I'm having the opposite feeling that I'm <laughs> still discovering stuff and the show was much better than, than I thought and I was missing a bunch of stuff. Yep, right there with you. See, now I'm, I don't feel as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the season one episodes in kind of to see if, if it all holds up, to see if it all fits together, knowing what we know later on, especially through the whole of season two. And it's a really hard test for any show to fulfill, to any show to pass, because there is just so many details. And, you know, the shooting schedule for TV shows is pretty hectic, and the writing schedule is pretty hectic. So there's a lot of ways for things to fall down, but it really does feel like the they put together season one solidly, and they didn't contradict it with anything major that happens in season two either. And so, yeah, like I'm... I'm satisfied with with it again. There aren't really any places where I say, "Oh, well, that oh, that was really a bad oh, that was a bad choice," and that that meant something. Like there are some things that I would say that I'm kind of glad they didn't revisit, like the point system. We talked about that for the first two episodes. I'm kind of glad they didn't try to do too much more with that. But anything substantial, like you know, just 
how people are, are uh, why people are in the bad place, the different characters that people have, uh, personalities. It all just it all just holds up from the two seasons. So uh, so yeah, I'm I'm also really I'm really enjoying going back to it. And yeah, I'm really it's it's really nice to be able to say that yes, the the season would have been good. I don't know, it's not probably worth it to say it would have been good without the reveal, but it's definitely a substantial season and an enjoyable season, uh, even before we, we get to that. So, yep, I am also on team season one, I guess, whatever we might want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Of course, we, we've already got a name, so team team cockroach. Still, still okay, going. Okay, I'll return all of the pennants I just bought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I would like to thank all of my hosts and guests here today. So, Javier Matusevich, thanks for being here. Fun fact, Janet is me. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, yeah, we didn't talk too much about Janet's uh, lines for, for this thing. They were all, <laughs> all pretty good, but especially her delivery, I think it was really good. So, Sarah Gardner, thanks for being here. Thank you. And thanks to our guest this episode, Dan Morin. Dan Morin, thanks for being here. Bortles. I mean, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me. And I forgot to mention myself again, so I am Andrew Pontius. And thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everyone.